0: This is the Cork Today replay
3: on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, we've got John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Texts and WhatsApps already up and running at 0862 103 103. And actually, talking of calls, Helen and Mallow has just been on to uh, John Paul looking for advice about Western Union money transfer. And she's doing it for the first time and she's just a bit nervous about it and wondering how safe is it. She's filling out the form at the moment and she's wondering do many other people use uh, Western Union? to transfer money I used it once before found it absolutely fantastic the only thing I would say with Western Union as long as you know who you are genuinely sending the money to because unfortunately over the years Western Union Money Transfer which is a very legit company but it has been used by scam artists to get people to send money to them via Western Union but you're sending money to somebody who is a scam artist so Helen my only advice would be uh, once you're absolutely certain about who you're sending the money to to why you're sending the money uh, to the person. I certainly have used it uh, in the past, haven't used it now in many, many years, but I certainly have uh, used it before. But we'll throw it out there to see. Are many others using Western Union money transfer and do you feel very safe uh, using it? And can somebody clarify this from yesterday? Remember yesterday we were talking about new speeches and it was because one of our listeners went out for a walk on Wednesday, I think it was, and was shocked to come across uh, somebody who was lying out, getting in the sunshine with abs Absolutely no clothes on and this lady was really taken aback because it wasn't what she was expecting to see on a fine summer's day in West Cork and we checked out the beaches that are recognised by the Naturist Association as nudist beaches and it turned out she didn't want the beach mentioned and we said okay but it turned out we knew the beach that she was talking about and it turned out that that is one of the beaches that has been designated by the Naturist Society if people... that's what you want to do, if you want to enjoy sunbathing with no clothes on, there are certain beaches that you can go to. But that led to somebody texting in yesterday to say, who actually decides that the beaches we called out are nudist beaches? This listener is wondering... Is it just that the Naturist Association lay claim to an area and because this listener feels that locals certainly don't want people naked lying around their beaches if they want to bring the family out and, you know, people are sensitive about watching other people with no clothes on. And I actually don't know. So I'm going to have to do a bit of investigation if nobody else can help us. Does anybody know how nudist beaches, how they are designated? I'm assuming that they must have to go through the council. I mean, you can't just rock up and decide this is going to be the beach and we're going to put up a little sign saying naturists welcomed. I'm assuming there must be some kind of a protocol or some kind of a process in line. We'll see if we can check that out and find out more about it but this listener reckons people just lay claim to an area, put up a sign and that's it and that they don't even consult with local people. So if anybody can clarify that, well we'll do a bit of investigation and see if we can find out what is the process and how does a beach get designated for naturists who like to sunbathe with and frolic in the sun with absolutely no clothes on. 1850 Now it seems vaccines and the rollout of vaccines still taking up so much of the newspapers today and the media in general and much of the adult pop- population under the age of 60 according to today's papers will be waiting until at least June before getting a COVID-19 jab. Now it seems June is going to be the busiest month for vaccinations. It had been hoped that this, the month of April, was going to be the busiest month, but it looks like we're going to have to wait until uh, June and obviously this is all to do with uncertainty over the arrival of supplies. Then of course there's now an additional question mark hanging over the head of the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine that's currently under review after a small number of blood clots were reported in the United States. The HSE is working towards meeting the target. Now they have a target of having 82% of the population with at least one dose of a vaccine by the end of June and that particular target remains uh, the, with the serious unknown factors at play whether they can reach that target or not. We know that the HSE have been forced to revise the vaccination plan after AstraZeneca was confined just to the over 60s and then we had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine rollout that was paused not just here in Ireland it was paused right across Europe by the European Medicines Agency. They as we speak are carrying out an examination of blood clotting events. The HSE Director Paul Reid was speaking Speaking yesterday, he acknowledged that much of the deliveries now, he reckons they're not going to be arriving on our shores until June. He says we also envisage June for the below 60s age group. They they could change, but he said what they're trying to do now is clarify the Pfizer vaccine supply. We know we're to get an extra half a million of the Pfizer vaccines and we're getting them in this the second quarter. This was... Supply that was expected at the end of the year, but we know that's been brought forward. But of course, now there's a big question mark hanging over the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine and whether they're going to be able to administer that or not. And yesterday saw the online portal open for people aged 69 to apply for their vaccine yesterday. And by 6pm yesterday evening, more than 27,000 people had registered either online online are by calling the HSE phone line. The expectation is that around 460,000 people in their 60s would have received a first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine by mid to late May and then obviously they'll all wait to get their second dose 12 weeks later. And that number actually answers a question that came in yesterday. How many people are over the age of 60 that are now in this cohort uh, who will be receiving the AstraZeneca? So it's 420,000 people between the ages of 60 and 69. But nearly three quarters of all the eligible 69-year-olds registered for their COVID-19 jab by the close of the normal working hours uh, yesterday, which is proving... That while there's a number of people are saying, oh, there's vaccination hesitancy and people won't come forward for the AstraZeneca. It looks like people are looking at the science behind this and they realise you have a much lesser chance of getting a clot from the vaccine than you do from actually getting COVID instead. And the majority of people are deciding to roll up their sleeves as we've as we've been hearing from the experts from the first day the vaccine that's in your arm, that's the best vaccine that is available to you. It seems the demand yesterday was so high, Nine 9,000 people aged 69 used the vaccination online portal within the first hour of its opening. The gateway to the jab opened at 10am yesterday morning and there was no early problems were reported. I was waiting for systems to crash and all that but nothing like that was uh, reported. Now there was a bit of mockery online I have to say. I saw some reports last night because seemingly if If you go online to register yesterday if you were 69 or the 68 year olds doing it today there's 39 steps involved in setting up the account for you to be successfully registered. Those who have done so then have been promised a job within one to two uh, weeks which I think most people will be delighted with. It isn't going to be a long wait. It's estimated there are 40,000 people aged 69 in this uh, country And as I say, by six o'clock yesterday, 27,000 of them had set up their personal account and requested, please, I would like to be vaccinated. The vast majority navigated the online portal at the HSE website. And I think the ratio was uh, 10 to 1 who opted to go by phone. There was 2,400 people rang the HSE live low call number instead because we mentioned that yesterday for people who didn't have broadband, weren't online or weren't confident enough to go online. We were saying to people you could ring instead. No problems were reported at any stage throughout the day uh, yesterday and today now the online portal is open as is the phone line for 68 year olds who are eligible to vaccinate. If you're 67 you can go online tomorrow. 66 year olds can go online on Sunday and 65 year olds will be able to go online or on the phone to register for your vaccination on Monday. And then people aged between 60 and 64 they'll be registering later in April and as soon as we get the dates of when people aged 60 to 64 can register we will let you know. And one of those people in that particular age group, the 60 to 64, is our own Taoiseach Mihal Martin because Mihal Martin will be entitled to a COVID-19 vaccine in the coming weeks. Why? Because he is 60 and he will register for his job through the new online booking system the same as every other 60 uh, year old and he said yesterday he has no problem at all going on the online portal signing up, registering and rolling up his sleeve and he also will be receiving the AstraZeneca jab. Now if you are uh, one of the 68 year olds going to register today or maybe you're a 69 year old and just didn't get around to it uh, yesterday. I've been trying to get some details of what it is like to go online to register. There's, Here's a quick kind of a checklist of what you'll need and what you need to know before you decide to register. You need to have a mobile phone number because what will happen is you will be sent a five digit verification code by text and that's done at the very start of the registration. You then need an email address. You need to click on the link that the HSE sends you to verify the email address. You have 24 hours uh, on getting the email to do that. It looks like loads of people. As soon as they got the email, they were clicking on uh, the link. It has to be done on the same device that you're going to register in the portal. Then you need to have your PPS number, you need to have your air code, you need your name, your date of birth, you need your mother's maiden name, you need your gender, your nationality, you need your ethnic status, you, uh, you need your GP's name or your GP practice name. You'll then be asked to press the start now button and you'll be told how long the queue is and I'm told yesterday it was normally a few minutes was all you had to wait. Then when it's your turn, you're given 10 minutes to access the system, you then create your account, you you'll need your email address at this point and your mobile phone number to verify your identity. You then enter your personal details. Finally, then you're given an opportunity to review all of the details before you submit them to the HSE. And if you need to register more than one person, guess what? You have to finish up and repeat the process all over again. And if you can't register online and the online registration is at hse.ie, you can do so by phone call Any day, 8am to 8pm, and it's a local number, 1850, 54, 18, 50. So that's 1850, 54, 18, 50. But today is for the 68 year olds, tomorrow the 67 year olds, Sunday the 66 year olds, and on Monday the turn of the 65 year olds. Your opportunity to sign up for your vaccination. Ireland's first rural walk in COVID 19 test centre opened this week at Randall Oak GAA Club outside of Dunmanway. And by all accounts, there has been a high demand for. Our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran went to visit the walk-in testing centre yesterday and uh, she joins me with her report this morning. Good morning to Fiona.
4: Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm
3: very well. Was it busy when you went there yesterday?
4: No, it wasn't busy when I was there yesterday, but I was there at 11 o'clock yesterday evening and people that I spoke to said to me that there has been a steady stream of people coming in since it first opened on Wednesday. Now, just for... There may be a little bit of confusion around this, and I know we posted something about it on Twitter yesterday. There were a few comments and a few questions asked. It's not... um, This centre hasn't been set up as a separate centre. It's part of the centre that was already operating there. For people who were getting GP referrals and the GP referrals are still going on so people who have appointments will still go to Randall Oak GAA but this is uh, they have opened up the service for walk-ins so when, when they say walk-ins they mean people who don't have an appointment so it's not that you're um, just walking in off the street uh, you still have to go in your car you're going to be driving there you don't get out of your car at any stage when you're there but it's walk-in as in you're not making a prior appointment before you go, um, and um, it's only a temporary. Excuse me, it's only a temporary service. It's cl- it's only open until the 20th of April, and it's closed on Sunday, this Sunday, the 18th of April. So it's just there for the space of. Um, uh, the f- The week Um, and it's one of a number of pop-up centres that are um, opening up around the country we had three open last week we have another three or four I think opening today around the country as well Um, and it's just the whole idea of it is to try and suss out where the different variants of coronavirus are around the country and it's open for people who are asymptomatic so under the other system you would obviously get a referral from your GP if you have symptoms or if you've been a close contact and then you're your toe to isolate and you go and you get your test whereas this is for people who may be just curious may want to just find out it's for people who are completely asymptomatic um and they will go and they'll get their test then carried out and they'll get the result within 48 hours
3: so you went so i have i have some package pieces that you've sent on now firstly Mm. this is uh sharon is the is a community swabber
4: Yes, and she was there to meet and greet people as they came in, and I spoke to her. She was the first person I spoke to.
5: So they're greeted, first of all, at the gate, um, and there's somebody there to ask if they have an appointment first, or if they're just in the walk-in, which is what we just started here yesterday, and basically they're asked a, a series of questions at that point at the gate before they come through, so if they have an appointment, they're just guided into where we'd normally guide them down into the shed. Otherwise, they're asked if they are over 16. If they have had a positive result in the last six months, which would generate the fact that they then couldn't have the test done, they also need to have um, photo ID with them. And they also need to have no symptoms so they're asymptomatic is what we're looking for at this stage and then the reason that people are asking why they're coming in is just because you know they're just curious to have a test or they want to visit family members or something in the future or they're working from home and they're about to go back into the workplace and stuff like that so if they answer yes to any of the questions at the start they're turned away at the gate and they're asked to go make an appointment through their GP and if they come through then down to this new gate where we greet them here as a walk-in well then we go through the symptom of questions as well so we're asking them the same questions are they symptomatic Um, we're asking them for photo ID we're asking them for their address, date of birth telephone numbers um, and the reasons why is that we're going to generate obviously a sticker for them to go through the swabbing process Um, so the process is as soon as we get all the information we then go into this new gate which we have set up here and we generate what we call a SWIFT-Q number for them, which is similar to what they would get through if they had an appointment through their GP. And the SWIFT-Q number then is relative to them and their swab. And it generates stickers which go onto a swab pack or a kit, as we call it, We put it here on the windscreen, so they don't touch it at any stage. And then we guide them down into the shed where they're about to be stopped. Okay, and we
3: couldn't send you down, Fiona, without going along for your own test. (laughs) (laughs) Had 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 you had a test before?
4: I did have a test before. I had a test done back in September, and it was negative. Okay. And um, when JP and yourself rang me and asked me would I get one done, I was quite reluctant because I just find the the nasal swab quite a traumatic experience. But obviously, it's not for everybody, and people get them done all the time. But I just have a thing about my nose. <laughs> so, um, but I said yesterday after speaking to the staff down there, and they were talking about people coming and uh, you know personal. Responsibility and stuff, I said, Do you know what, I might as well go in and get it done. So I did, and I recorded myself getting it done. Okay, here it is. Can
5: <laughs> you me pop down your mask for me, please? And I'd like you to look at me and open your mouth nice and wide and say, Oh, that's Aww. perfect. So one, two, three, four, five. That's perfect. Okay, now that looks wasn't too straight, bad. Yeah, look straight out the front window as if you're driving the car and nice and steady. Try not to move, not perfect, Fiona. Okay, no second one. Okay. Olha isso. No, that was uh. all done. You OK? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doesn't get any easier, does yeah. it? No. Um, so you'll have in
3: two to
6: three days and I hope you'll be
3: OK. OK, try not to move. You were obviously flinching inside in the car. The poor girl trying to swab you. OK, so that was all, I know. all very quick and it, it isn't as bad. It really isn't. I, I've had one done not. last year. And it isn't. It's, it really isn't as bad. I think it's more the thought of it. I was of saying it. to
4: somebody, it is, it's the thought of it. And it's it doesn't hurt it's more the sensation yeah. that i i find a bit kind of awkward but it's not it is in absolutely no way painful it's so quick i mean that clip that i sent you there is about what 15 or 20 seconds yeah and that's how long it is and they're they're very very quick and they're really nice and you know you're in and out and um, you know the process itself takes i suppose like less than 10 minutes by the time you drive up you're meted or you're greeted by sharon she takes all your details or whoever is there and um, they go off the process it, then you drive in and you get your test and then you drive straight back out again the other side so yeah you know and, it's all very small, very quick the majority
3: of people then would be heading off home but of course you would you had a job of work to do so you then um, met up with the lead <laughs>
6: coordinator at the centre this is Catherine Desmond people were coming for various different reasons mostly uh, curiosity and a lot of people just wanted to know whether they were Negative or positive, because they were going to see elderly relations, and a lot of people were just being responsible, and they just wanted to. If they did have it, they just wanted to be able to isolate if they did get a positive positive test, and nip this thing in the bud. Do people have to isolate if they get the test? They don't have to isolate unless they have a positive result.
4: Yeah. So it's not Um, like the other way where. If you've been referred by your GP, you have to isolate immediately. This way, you're coming in, if you're asymptomatic, you don't have to isolate. That's right, because you're coming in
6: with no symptoms. And because people who come through the booked system are either close contacts or are symptomatic. So when they're asymptomatic, it's just basically trying to hammer this virus. Mm -hmm. It's trying to weed it out to see where it is and to try and open up the country. Is it open to just people from West Cork? It's open to people from Cork County. Okay. Yes, now that the travel restrictions are have opened up the county, people can come from anywhere in the county.
4: Have you been seeing people from everywhere?
6: We've been seeing... Well, yesterday we had people from the city. We had people from Bell We had people from the wilds of West Cork.
4: And it's called a walk-in test centre, but it's not it's actually, actually a walk-in. It's, it's right.
6: actually a drive-in. People don't get out of their cars. Yeah, so it's a drive-through, which is probably safer for everybody anyway.
4: And people who have appointments come here as well and people who don't have appointments. And that then is determined when they arrive at the gate here. It is. And when they come to the gate, they will be asked for photographic ID.
6: That is very important to have that. They can't come through the drive-through unless they have it. Uh, They have to be 16 years or, or over. Uh, they cannot have had COVID in the past six months and they cannot have been through a walkthrough before, mm-hmm. so that's not really an issue at the moment because this is the first one in the area and How long does it take for a result to come back? Generally we say 48 hours 48 to 72 hours And how did they get the result? It's a text is it? It's a text, yeah we, They give their mobile number when they come through We generate the label system here which goes on their pack and their mobile telephone number is on it
3: yeah, hence the reason you have to have a mobile number with you uh, when, when mm. you go. So so a very, very efficient system. And I know when they did these first pop-up test centres like this, they, they put them in areas where there was high COVID cases around the country because they were trying to pick up the asymptomatic cases. But we have very low numbers mm. here here in Cork.
4: We have, and there's figures, you might have heard them in Barry's news there earlier. Um, two local electoral areas in Cork are showing zero COVID cases in the latest Health Surveillance Centre monitor. It means Bantry and Kanturk have reported less than five cases in the two weeks to Monday last. Skibbereen reported six cases over the fortnight period. And Cork South Central has the highest incidence rate in Cork with 52 cases and an incident rate of 1345 um so yeah you're right they had them in um Tullamore and in Dublin um but they seem to be opening them up now um all around the country I know there are um places opening there's there's another centre opening in Dublin today I think it's a three opening in Dublin today and one somewhere else in up the country and in care, um in care in care, care yes yeah. thank you and um i suppose the whole purpose of it is to try and um identify areas where there may be cases and people don't know that they have it where they may be asymptomatic and are walking around um so that's probably why they decided to open up one in cork now it is open up outside dunmanway but as you heard catherine say there it's open to everybody um, in cork and i mean i went down from bishopstown yesterday and it took 45 minutes to get down there so um, you know, if somebody is curious about it or if somebody is, as she said, you know, going to visit an elderly relative or maybe returning to work in the next few days, it would be worth going down just to get the test done and just to put your mind at ease.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's the for people visiting an elderly person because we're also nervous about the dread that you could be carrying mm. it and, and, and you didn't know it. And I think people are just curious. People are just curious to know, am I okay? And here is the opportunity. Yeah. So and and as well, what's different about this particular test centre is anyone from Cork city or county can go, whereas mm-hmm. previous in the areas where they had high cases, it was only people from from that area. Okay, so they're open nine to five until next tuesday they're not open on on sunday but they're open today friday saturday and then monday and tuesday that's it that's it yeah yeah Yeah. all right listen you you were extremely brave we're very proud of you so thank you for that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Thanks lovely, very have much. Have a lovely weekend. Thanks a million, poor old Fiona. And and I knew when I was because I I had the test uh, done myself uh, last year, very early stages of it. I had it done when there was a testing centre. Luckily, it was actually in Mallow where I live, so I didn't have to travel uh, very far. And it is it's 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 just uncomfortable. It doesn't hurt, but it is just uncomfortable. And certainly, it's the nose one was the one that I did I particularly uh, disliked. But I've had friends of mine who've had tests on, and they thought the throat one was worse so it, it depends and then I've others who said God I went and it felt like a tickle I didn't think it was anything at all and i would others who felt oh my God I thought my brains were being dug out of my head so I suppose it depends on everybody's pain at threshold as well but as I say it isn't painful it is just more uncomfortable than anything else so Randall Oak, GAA Club if you want to go along and you're asymptomatic and would like to get tested for COVID-19 between 9 and but bring photographic ID and you need to have a mobile phone number with you as well. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103
0: 103. Court today on C103.
1: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. Cmig.ie.
3: Now, Irish birds are more endangered than ever before with more than a quarter of all All bird species now on the red list, according to a new report from Birdwatch Ireland. Joining me uh, to outline why is Niall Hatch of Birdwatch Ireland. Good morning to you, Niall. Good morning, Patricia. I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Can you give us some examples of the species that you're most worried about at the moment?
2: Uh, I, I can and, and sadly there are pretty too many to mention on the radio that's how bad the situation's got. I think one of the starkest ones we're seeing is that the puffin which should be one of Ireland's most loved birds is in serious decline, not just in Ireland but globally and they only breed and occur in the North Atlantic uh, The studies we're looking to now have to see that, that that could be faced with extinction within the next hundred years. The population is getting as bad as that. Uh, another seabird, the kittiwake, joined it on the red list uh, that's, a, that's another cliff nesting species that you get around the Irish coast. Again, it seems that problems at, uh, at sea in terms of the food supply for these birds prompted by things like climate change, overfishing, uh, marine pollution, uh, the lack of per- marine protected areas, that's affecting them badly. Uh, another bird that was a real surprise to me, and, and a bird that, uh, that is still doing relatively well in Cork but not, just not so well in the rest of the country, that would be uh, the, the kestrel. Uh, once our most visible bird of prey was often seen hunting along the side of motorways and roads, hovering over the verges, and you still see them of course, yeah. but their population has declined massively. Uh, it seems that um, there could be various factors there. Uh, it, it could be, uh, it would be a big part of seems to be a poisoning through rat poison because these birds eat rats and mice and that's affecting them there. We're seeing uh, the snipes now on the red list. This is a bird that was once ubiquitous across Ireland, a real breeder of bog land and then winters in, in coastal estuaries. Bog habitats have been degraded and depleted and have vanished. Uh, we're seeing uh, more disturbance at the estuaries where these birds winter and that's a trend we're seeing with a lot of our wintering water birds over just, uh, over just the last uh, last few years the population of wintering water birds are so that's ducks and swans and geese and wading birds. They've declined by 40% now, that may reflect some problems in the Arctic in their breeding grounds, on their migration route with the food supply here, with disturbance I think what's really clear about this is that right across the board things are going very wrong with our bird population and what that tells us is because birds are at the tops of their respective food chains, they reflect changes in the overall environment so they're, they're, they're the indicators that we use to monitor environmental health and it shows that we're in a very bad situation.
3: You, you'd be delighted to hear that our breakfast show uh, DJ was sitting out in his garden uh, during the week and uh, he didn't realise what it was. We had to get the bird identified for him but it turned out that it was the snipe actually hit the window of, window oh. of his patio door and he got the bird got stunned and fell into a bucket uh, wow. so Ken very carefully picked it up, put it into a, a box put him into a quiet garage for an hour and then went and checked on him and released him and he was fine uh, but it turned out that it was a snipe, Ken didn't oh. realise what, what the bird was so he, we managed to save one uh, here in Cork for sure uh, during the week but, uh, but the, some of those birds that you, you've spoken about I mean there, there is a real risk that they could be extinct if we don't start to wake up and do something to protect them. Uh,
2: yes there are so as you mentioned there are 54 Irish bird species, that's 20, 26% of our regularly occurring oh, birds are, and we have 211 regularly occurring bird species so 54 of those are on the red list but uh, to add insult to injury, an additional 79 of them are on the amber list. So red is of the highest conservation concern. They're, they're a threat of extinction. Amber list shows that they're, um, that they're of serious conservation concern uh, and are heading towards the, the red list. So that means in total 63% of Ireland's birds, so the vast majority, are now on the endangered list. This is crazy. Um, it, 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 it's, a, it's a really big problem. Uh, and like as I said, we're seeing it across the board. Even birds that, uh, that I'm sure a lot of listeners would be very familiar with, even their own gardens. So uh, birds, the, the greenfinch. Uh, staggering that this, uh, this is now on the red list in Ireland. They've actually been hit by a disease pandemic, which is something that we, we humans can, can relate to very mm-hmm. well now. Uh, and that's, uh, that's decimating the numbers across the country. We're seeing massive declines in the swift, which is a bird of urban uh, habitats. They would, uh, they're, they're summer migrants. They arrive at us in, in May. We're monitoring those. through a special project we have Spring Alive. So when people see or hear their first Swiss this year, if they could log it for us at springalive.net, we would really appreciate that. Because we need to keep tabs on this, because it's a lack of nesting sites, and also the disappearance of insects from our countryside, which are the main food for these birds. Habitat destruction intensification of agriculture um, a, a lack of um, resourcing for farmers who are helping biodiversity they don't get anywhere near the supports from the state that they deserve because they're benefiting for all of us but you know, the more, the more biodiversity, the more living creatures we have in our, in our environment the more ecosystem services we get from things like pollinating insects cleaning of water and soil and all of these things these are all, these ecosystem services they, um, they are worth literally tens of billions of euros to the Irish economy each year but because until now we've got them for free, we've completely taken them for granted uh, and uh, if you know if those systems break down we are in serious trouble oh, it's such, it's such a
3: shame uh, and obviously we need our government and world governments to work on climate change targets but as individuals Nile what can we do do we have a role to play we
2: Certainly do, and I certainly don't want to be all doom and gloom about it because then you know people lose hope. I think that nothing can be done. But no, the, the fact we published these lists because it isn't too late; the, the tide can be turned. Uh, we need more support uh, for environmental groups in Ireland, like Birdwatch Ireland, through through membership and uh, and also through through helping to, uh, to, to, to to promote our message. We need also decision makers, our elected representatives, to stand up for nature. We have a situation where um, almost two years ago now, Aaron declared uh, a climate and biodiversity emergency, and yet precious little has been done to actually fight that. I mean, we're dealing with a, a crisis that will will, will, will affect our livelihoods. You know, it, it, will, it will drastically impact our species. We've seen how over the last year, um, quite rightly and properly, and um, because of the COVID crisis imminently threatening our society and our economy and public health, the government have been able to step in and take drastic action, make lots of emergency funding available. And as I said, quite rightly so. We're looking at the same sort of situation in terms of the biodiversity emergency at the moment. This is threatening people's livelihoods, it's threatening our lives, it's threatening our mental, mental and physical health, and it's going to impact our economy and our society in a massive way. In fact, it already is. It just maybe happens on a slower scale than COVID has, has hit, um, but it's, it's nonetheless a, a serious issue on, on a par or even exceeding that, I would say. So we need to do more, and we need people to ask their elected representatives just to take action. Also, things as well, like if, if people see illegal wildlife crime, people you know poisoning birds of prey or cutting hedgerows during the summer, these kind of things please do report them to the national parks and wildlife service now, we, we can't just continue to turn a blind eye to the destruction of our our, our countryside and our environment because um, and that's, that's that's robbing from all of us we need more marine protected areas we need more support for farmers we need proper action plans to conserve threatened waders. there's so many things we, we we have the answers. We know what needs to be done. It just is the political will there to do it.
3: And has, have any species managed to come off the endangered list in recent years? Um,
2: yes, I'm pleased to say there have been a, there have been a couple. Um, so um, uh, we know that, um, that there are very few, but one that a lot of people are familiar with, and will rejoice in in, in knowing that secure is the robin. So the robin, uh, surprisingly, was on the amber list the last time that the assessment was done. That was in 2014. We think it had been hit very badly by um, the few cold winters that we had uh, we had in a row at the start of the, of the that decade, uh, the population has bounced back and they're doing well. Another bird that's in following the same pattern is the missile um which has improved and is now back on the green list. And then we also have the great spotted woodpecker which is a species that only colonised Ireland about 15 years ago. Uh, it came across the Irish Sea, naturally flew across from Wales to, to Wicklow and I'm speaking to you from Wicklow at the moment, that's where I live and I see woodpeckers here now on, a, on at least a weekly basis, yeah. uh, sometimes going to the garden. Uh, they're spreading in, in Cork in a few years, hopefully people start to see them there. Uh, but you know, they're really the they're, they're really the exception, but I have to say. Um,
3: okay, and so a listener is saying, "I put bird feeders in my garden. Uh, could should more people be doing that?" Uh,
2: certainly, certainly, bird feeders in the garden—it's a great thing to do. We really would encourage that at our website birdochallenge.ie. There's lots of information there on feeding birds, and I, I want to urge people to do that. Please do, and put up nest boxes as well. But also, just to say. The birds that tend to come to our gardens and around our homes, most of those are doing really well. They're the ones that have already learned how to cope with humans. They they can live in in human-altered environments. Uh, so we're still only talking about a very small percentage of Ireland's bird species. We're talking maybe about 25, 30 species that regularly occur in gardens, and most of those are actually very secure and are doing well, and want to continue want them to continue being so. So please, everybody, do feed them, put out nest boxes for them. But again, that's doing nothing to... Um, to help our wetland birds or our mm. farmland birds or our seabirds we, we can't just look at our own garden birds and and, and think
3: and a, say okay. oh, everything is fine with the world yeah, so this review uh, uh, is a real wake up call isn't it for all of us
2: it, it is it is absolutely because you know we've seen how fast things are deteriorating so as we mentioned our 54 species are now on the red list that's, uh, that's an increase of 46% since the last assessment was done just 7 years ago and so in the course of 7 years the situation has got 46% worse that's, that's atrocious Um, And and, um, it's a real wake-up call there that the birds are shouting a warning to us. This list isn't just about the birds. It's about human well-being as well. We're seeing the ecosystem breaking down. We're seeing problems in terms of of how we're we're maintaining our biodiversity. And it's it's being paid scant attention by decision-makers and even by the general public. This is a serious, serious problem. And if, if nothing is done, future generations in 100 years, 150 years, will look back on us and curse us. For being so blind that we didn't see what was right under our noses and for ruining their future.
3: Okay, listen, keep up. you doing fantastic work at Birdwatch um, Ireland tonight. And we appreciate you taking time much to talk to us today. Thank you for that. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Niall Hatch of Birdwatch Ireland. Maura says, I have six gold finches on my bird feeder at this very moment. Lots of robins and my siskins are back. Absolutely love them. Uh, thank you, Maura, for that. And they're just such a delight to watch. If you hang up a bird feeder, it's a really I- inexpensive thing to do. Or if you can manage to get birds to nest in your garden and just to watch them, you can spend literally a while away, hours on a fine summer's day watching the birds. 333 3, 3, 3, 103 Lines open
0: Court today on C103
1: With John Cusack Insurances as Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie
3: Number of calls in from people who've been ringing the HSC number in order to register for the vaccine they don't want to go uh, online because I know somebody earlier was on to say Mary in court Max says you need to be a genius to operate the online uh, portal according to Mary she ended up bringing the 1850 HSC uh, live number yesterday and you have to press one and press two and she was holding for 30 minutes before she finally got through and she also what annoyed her was it's an American voice they should be using an Irish voice says Mary and Corb Mac. but she eventually got through to register for her vaccine after 30 minutes Then um, poor old Mick Mick Bandon has been on the phone since 7 this morning he's been holding he's getting very frustrated waiting to get through there are delays because there are a lot of people obviously trying to get through but as I said, the numbers that I gave out, the majority of people yesterday who booked uh, something like 26,000 people aged 69 booked their jobs uh, yesterday. And of the 26,000, uh, the majority of them went online. It was just 5%. I think it was 2,500 people went via the phone. So the majority of people are navigating the online part of it. But as, as I explained earlier, I think there's 30, 39 different clicks that you have to make and register and verify and there's a waiting period for that as well you've got to wait your turn and then when you turn it'll tell you how long you're going to wait but there is a, a waiting period on that as well so I think a little bit of patience is what is needed but if you are getting through to the 1850 54 1850 just to let you know you will be waiting John Paul is taking your call at our number
0: 1850 333 103
1: Court Today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business Farm Life and uh, Health Insurance CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed
3: thank you to a couple of people who have been on to us about Western Union because I mentioned at the top of the programme that Helen in Mallow needs to transfer money via Western Union never done it before filling in the application and is now just a little bit nervous you know with so many scams doing the rounds people are just very very hesitant particularly if you're doing something for the first time and I made the point I have sent money by Western Union Transfer many years ago found it very safe and very secure Uh, and once you know who you're sending it to and that it isn't a scam that that they're using Western Union to get the money out of you once you know where you're sending it to uh, you should be fine. Well, we've had a few people on to say that they regularly use it including this text in saying Hi Patricia, I regularly use Western Union. Uh, I send it by application from my phone. It's fast and it's very, very safe. So hopefully that will allay the fears for Helen who is doing it for the first time. And thank you as I say to a number of people who reacted when I mentioned that earlier. Now... Also we are getting a number of calls and texts in from listeners who are in the 60 to 69 year old age group and we now know uh, vaccination is opened for that cohort of age group with the 69 year olds able to apply yesterday, the 68 year olds able to apply today for a vaccine date and time 67 year olds will be tomorrow Saturday. If you're 66 you can register on Sunday and if you're 65 you can register on Monday but a number of people are contacting us including June who sent in an email saying could you please find out why the GPs are not vaccinating the 60 to 69 year olds or is it just my GP service I was told I was on a list of my local GP practice but now I've been told I need to book my vaccine online myself I would gratefully appreciate any feedback. Well when the change happened earlier in the week with regards to AstraZeneca and when the decision was made that it was going to be the 60 to 69 nine-year-olds that were going to be offered the AstraZeneca, it was then that the HSE went live at the portal to allow people in that age group to uh, register. The HSC made the decision that they would only give out the vaccines to that age group through vaccination centres. Now they didn't give a reason at the time as to why they were bypassing the GPs. I'm assuming it's to do with speed that they can get through more people at a vaccination centre than they can do the logistics of sending out the vaccines to each of the vi- individual GP practices all over the country and trying to work out how many... 69 year olds do you have how many 68 year olds do you have so the easiest way I I think it's for ease and to get the vaccine out to as many people as possible for that reason it's much easier if you have a centralised system and you have a vaccination centre and you can get hundreds of people through a vaccination centre every day and set up the appointments so I'm imagining that that's the reason it's just it's to get it out to as many people as possible now I know the vaccination centres are going to cause problems for some people because not everyone's going to have a vaccination centre right outside their door or a vaccination centre is certainly going to be further away than their local GP practice uh, would be and that's going to cause problems for people if they don't drive and having to get a lift uh, etc. But I'm assuming that that's the only reason that they're doing it is just to try to vaccinate as many people as possible. So June it isn't your own GP practice that isn't doing it it's every GP practice there's no GP practice vaccinating the 60 to 69 years you need to register and that's why they're asking you for your air coat so they will be able to work out from your air coat code where is your nearest vaccination centre and then you will have an appointment sent out to you and we're told that the people that registered yesterday three quarters of the people of the 69 year olds signed up yesterday to say yes I want my vaccine and it is expected that they will start getting appointments from next week and next week and the week after the 69 year olds are expected to be vaccinated so they're going to get through this I think as quickly as possible and they're They're saying that they should have everyone in the 60 to 69 year olds. I think everyone should have their first vaccination by the end of May. And then another question that we're getting in uh, is from people under the age of 65, for example. Hi, Patricia, I'll be 64 in July. When will I be able to register for my vaccine, please? And thank you. People aged between 60 and 64 will be registering in sometime in late April. We haven't got a date on that yet, but no doubt, as they have done for the sixty-five to sixty-nine year olds, there's been a lot of advertisement uh, this week on the papers, on radio, on TV, uh, and here we are talking about it. So they they'll give out the dates that they when they will open up the portal for the different age groups. And I'm assuming the way that they have done it for the you know the sixty-nine year olds yesterday, the sixty-eights today, the sixty-sevens tomorrow. I'm imagining that when they get through. All of the over 65s registered and appointments out and up and running and vaccinations going into arms. I imagine them, they'll open a portal and they'll do it similar to what they've done for the older people in the 60s that they'll set a date if you're 64 you'll register and then the following date will be for the 63 year olds the day after for the 62 year olds the 61 year olds and the 60 year olds I'm assuming that they'll do something similar but hold off Uh, your time isn't isn't here yet but it'll become it'll be coming very very quickly indeed and to everybody else registering today little bit of patience is what you need the easiest way and the less time-consuming way seems to be by doing it online hse.ie but as I mentioned at the top of the programme you need to have your mobile phone with you because they'll send you a verification code and you need to have your email address and then they'll also look for things like your PPS number, your air code, your name and your date of birth, your mother's maiden name, your nationality, your gender your ethnic background and your GP's name and your GP's practice are your GP's practice name so just have all of those have all of the information ready because it will speed up the process for you and those of you going by the phone, you need to be a bit patient because they are quite busy and I think they're so busy because of the numbers of people in the 60s who want to get vaccinated and I think it is just completely dispelling the myth that went out there and that we were even talking about yesterday to do with vaccination hesitancy and that's not to take from that there isn't vaccination hesitancy, of course there is and at, if you look at about 75% of 69-year-olds registered yesterday to say, yes, I want my job, jab. That still does mean there's 25% of 69-year-olds and maybe some of them just decided to wait and they're going to, you know, go online today. Uh, but it does show that there are some, but it's a much smaller number, I think, than what people would have predicted. People were expecting a huge number of over 60s not to come forward for their jab. And I think people want to get the vaccination and they want to get it into their arm as quick as possible. And then Ross has been on to say, Patricia, have any of the COVID vaccinations, are any of them live vax or are they all dead vax? I really need to know. Well, while the news was on at 11, I did a quick check for you, Ross. And none of the early vaccines, i.e., Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca are Johnson & Johnson when we eventually get to use Johnson & Johnson so the four main ones for this uh, country. None of those vaccines are live weakened versions. I'm assuming what you're talking about when you say a live vaccine, things like measles, mumps, rubella and chickenpox, they all, they're all they all deemed a live vaccine. But Moderna and Pfizer, they are an, MR, an MNR vaccine. And then AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson are non- replicating vectored vaccines haven't a clue what that means but what I'm told is they're not a live weakened version like you would get with the measles mumps and rubella and I'm assuming Ross that's the information that you were looking for so no they are not live vaccines I don't know what your reason for that is but they're they're not. Hi Patricia the hype is over the top I feel on the AstraZeneca the AstraZeneca is only 65% effective against the original virus and it's only 10% effective against the South African strain or is this all fake news no no it isn't fake news but even for it to be it's in the high 60s I think it nearly gets up even there's evidence that it's even up into the 70% effective against the UK strain the B one one seven, and the original Wuhan uh, version but remember this time last year when we were on our hands and knees praying that a vaccine would be found and sending positive thoughts to the scientists all over the world who were buried inside in laboratories frantically working to get a vaccine out if we had found a vaccine that was fifty percent effective. That would have been good enough. There's now we are lucky in that the Pfizer vaccine and Moderna are up in the nineties, ninety five percent effective. But it actually is rare for a vaccine to be that high on to be that 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 effective. A vaccine that's fifty percent this time last year, all of the experts would have taken the hand in all off the company that could have could have produced that. So even at in the 60s, 70%, that is still a vaccine that would protect you against getting very unwell from COVID-19 and of course the big one is to protect you from dying. That's what we want to do. We want to stop people getting COVID-19 ending up very seriously unwell in hospital and then you could go on to, uh, go on to die. So don't in any way take from the fact when you say it's only 65% effective it will give you uh, the cover that you need. Patricia, hi, I was listening on your news where you were saying that there is less than five cases in Bantry. two areas in the county, Bantry and Canturk, showing less than five, which technically means there could be zero cases of COVID in those areas. Uh, But, says this listener, there was 13 camper vans parked on the pier in Bantry yesterday evening. How long will it take for less than five how long will it take uh, for those five cases to go up says a listener who's worried about people visiting the area do remember though when we have when you have visitors to the area the evidence is clearly there from all of our scientists and particularly those working on NEFIT that you have a much less chance of picking up COVID-19 when you're out and about so if you're walking past somebody who's come out from one of those uh, camper bands and even if God forbid they had COVID-19 you'd have a much less chance of picking it up because you know hopefully you're wearing a mask. They they might be wearing a mask. only so if you're in very close confines uh, with those people, and as we know at the moment with hospitality, everything's closed. So it isn't the case that we're going to have huge groups of visitors coming into an area and everybody ending up in the same bar, or the same hotel, or the same uh, restaurant. So and I know I know people who live in areas, scenic areas, and tourist areas are do get very nervous. They do get very nervous with summertime coming and people now allowed to travel around the county and people are fearful that there will be huge numbers descending on our beaches and our scenic areas but when you do go to a scenic area spread out as much as you can. 1850 333103 We are going to be talking about the the KBC Bank and the news Disappointing news from the KBC Bank that looks like they're going to be pulling out of Ireland. Noel on Twitter at C103 Cork says, Sad day for consumers. No competition in banking in Ireland. Remember Enda Kenny saying, Ireland is a great little place for small businesses. Well, without access to credit, the SME sector will be absolutely decimated. Uh, Thank you for that. And someone, Heidi says... um, This is says, um, I would like to ask what is wrong with these banks now that we have the KBC Bank getting ready to exit this country? How terrible is that? There will be no competition and no choice for us, the people. Lots of bank cards once again. Lots of loss of bank cards once again. Such a sad situation, says Heidi, who says, I agree. I disagree with the finance minister. He just said on the, the no news that the customer will still have choice at what bank they can go to I say no we won't because the bank rates and the interest rates will not have competition to get new customers in so if we don't have enough competition that's what will happen we will all end up paying more Uh, so a lot of people worried uh, about the news as I say we will discuss it later on on the uh, programme and, and this is back to AstraZeneca and back to the vaccine. Tim says, Patricia, morning. Uh, thanks for the update on the vaccine rollout in the last hour. But it seems to be solely concentrated on using the AstraZeneca on the 60 to 69 year olds. Uh, we still have Pfizer and Moderna vaccines deliveries arriving. Surely these could be given simultaneously to the other cohorts to speed up the overall overall timeline. While other vaccinations are still going on I mean people in the over 70s age group who are, have been receiving Pfizer and, and Moderna They're still getting their vaccinations and I know there's a bit of a delay on when they can roll it out to more of the under 60s. But that's waiting and to see how many we're going to be getting next week and how many we're getting the week after. But as far as I know, people that are going to their GP practice, if anybody can let us know who has received a Pfizer vaccine or a Moderna vaccine, as far as I know, people going to their GP's for the, the over 70s and at some of the vaccination clinics as far as I know they're still going on I don't think all of those were cancelled this week if anybody can uh, tell us about, about that maybe I'm wrong but I was led to believe that they are still uh, going ahead and then Patricia would it not be better if the government gave out a device that they're now using in Germany my son lives in Germany and he was been given one of these device devices where every three days he tests himself at home he showed it to me on FaceTime last Sunday another thing the news said that the virus is being spread by people visiting and going from house to house. The government and the health people are blaming everyone in this country, i.e. the people of this country but at the end of the day the government have to be blamed. They left the airports opened all across last year and they allowed people to bring in some of the new strains. So don't be blaming the people when some of the mistakes were made by the government. 1850 333
0: 103 C103 Jobs
3: Community employment opportunities are available in Blarney, Inaskara, Kilcolly, Whitechurch and the Grenna air areas. They're for caretakers, groundkeepers and environmental workers. Caulfield Supervalue, they're in Bandham. They're looking for deli assistance. You must be available to work weekends and weekdays. While the Kilty Park Hotel, they're hiring staff for all hotel positions. And a teleporter driver is wanted to work that's in the Carrigaline area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
0: Court today on C103.
1: With Sean Cusack Insurances Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.
3: Now, uh, jur in Ahada, who declares himself as a Sinn Féin supporter, says... Mjoln Martin was interviewed on The Tonight Show on Virgin TV last night watching him on television. He gave me no great future and no great sense of hope for the opening up of this country. He kept repeating about us going by the numbers and going by the signs. Does he realise that people re- ha- have remained out of work? The deficit in this country is growing on a daily basis and then he appeared to get very upset when Matt Cooper brought up about the opinion polls and how badly Fianna Fall were doing in the opinion polls but his response was wait until the next election and he felt people would come back to the Fianna Fáil party i think the next election will be a historic one and it we we could ha- end up having our first female tiseach ie mary lou macdonald so give her a chance and see what she can do give her a go if she messes up then we'll have to put in somebody else at uh, the next time and that is from jer inada who as i said is declaring himself as a Sinn Féin supporter. 1850 333 103 Now while easing of restrictions under Level 5 began this week with all of the pupils returning to school number of construction workers went back uh, to work were allowed to move outside our 5k and the promise of further easing of restrictions from the start of May those in the entertainment industry are really feeling like the forgotten part of society. Matt McGranahan Mag- joins me from the Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland. Good morning to you, Matt. Good morning, Patricia. You. You, you very much. Well, you're welcome to the programme. You were one of the first industries to close back in March of 2020. Is it looking and is there a sense within your industry that you'll be the very last to reopen and get back
7: to work?
8: Absolutely, Patricia. <coughs> not, not only that, but we're also really feeling the pinch that we're the complete and utter forgotten industry. Uh, Within this entire crisis, you know, within the pandemic. Uh, Today is actually 400 days of continuous lockdown for our industry um, where we cannot walk. Even at level one uh, conditions that were brought in and and where we briefly saw the reopening of pubs back in September, the guidelines were such that it really, without banning, without taking that step to ban live music, it, it became so difficult that it couldn't actually exist. And unfortunately, you know, for I think that there's this kind of maybe a misperception uh, in, in, in public life that you know every entertainer or musician is famous and successful, and, and the reality is is that the majority of people who make their living in this industry, of music and entertainment, are are, are working gigging musicians who work in pubs, restaurants, hotels, weddings, uh, provide corporate entertainment and 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 they make successful living it's a viable industry uh but we have really felt that we have been a forgotten industry that the government supports uh haven't trickled down to this industry that there's actually you know unfortunately the response by the the phenofoil led government is that there is glaring discrimination within the business supports that have been given, and they feel to take into account that uh, a lot of businesses in our industry um, fail to meet the criteria of what is understood to be a business in their uh, in their eyes. So we're going to see a long time before our industry can come back because the the, the real... And what,
3: what sort of supports are, are the workers getting? I mean, um, would the majority be on a PUP payment, for example?
8: Yeah, absolutely. And in the, the same way that, you know, any worker, employee or self-employed uh, is on the PUP payment. Uh, but, but the issue with the PUP payment is that, uh, you know, a self-employed musician is a business, but that person is a business. They're, they're a micro uh, enterprise uh, within the SME uh, world. And when the PUP payment uh, it's the same, uh, the same payment to a self-employed or to, to a PAYE worker, as it is, to a self-employed person, and that unfortunately does not take into account the ongoing fixed costs that even a sole trader musician uh, would have in order to keep their business alive, in order to be ready to take on work when it comes in. And we have raised this with the Committee for Social Protection and and we seek to, to, to get some sort of support for that. Now, there is a support that has been promised uh, through the £50 million allocation uh, by Minister Martin over a month ago, but so far, We don't know what the final criteria are on this, and we don't know when the application will open. We don't know when the payments will be made. And we're talking now 400 days, and all we seem to have so far are promises and, unfortunately, empty promises. And the the supports that were given by the government for other businesses, like the CRSS, for example, um, have have excluded... uh, uh, events companies, promotions companies, wedding bands, uh, and all sorts of various other types of business structures out there. Uh, How many
3: people roughly work in your industry, Matt, do you reckon?
8: That is a a question that's that's kind of up in the air to be quite honest, Patricia. Uh, The fact that there has been zero regulation of this industry means that we are in a position now where we don't really have huge figures or exact figures. And the, there was a report done in 2017, and uh, the less celebrated report, which estimated that there was about 25,000, <coughs> pardon me, about 25,000 working in this industry, and, and that is uh, that that report has been independently verified. So that is the figure that we kind of walk with. Yeah. There will probably be quite a lot more uh, if we talk about the wider arts industry, the wider events industry. Uh, estimates go up as maybe 35 to 45,000. But we're comfortable enough to say that within sort of music and entertainment, that there would be approximately 25,000.
3: It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. And have many or any of them managed to get some work through an online presence?
8: Uh, Not that we've been seeing. Uh, uh, The the problem with the online presence, I suppose, is is, is actually making that that worth your while from a a wage point of view or earning money, you know, the thing about the music and entertainment is that it's it's very much a social it's very much a social uh industry and and you need people uh to entertain and and you need people to be there in order to make it work you know uh if you're t- to go into the the opera house in cork you need an audience you need a certain size of an audience uh, in order to to break even or to make mm-hmm. profit, or to yeah, make you need so that, many
3: bum, bums on seats to, to correct, yeah, to make it uh, econ- economically uh, yeah. a, a viable. But Matt, do you believe that there are parts of your industry that could reopen safely?
8: There will, uh, yes, fingers crossed. There will be certain amounts of the industry and. Uh, there's a 25 million euro scheme through the Department of Arts and Culture called the Life Performance Support Scheme and the deadline goes for applications there on Wednesday. So we are hopeful that you know there will be work uh, throughout, through the summer. But bearing in mind, this is going to be, you know, one or two opportunities for a musician. This isn't going to be a case that a musician can now sign off the PUP and he's back, he or she's back to work, uh, you know, for the, the entire summer months. Um so we're hopeful that we'll see some sort of return, uh, and and hopefully that will that will grow uh, the confidence as well in the general public to come out and and uh, experience live performances and experience entertainment again. So, because that's that's also a huge factor uh, in the reopen process.
6: Yeah, pe- um, yeah,
3: people have to feel confident and to feel safe when, yeah. when, they're, when they're going to a venue. And have you any dates of a possible return to work? I mean, I know we've the papers today, you know, Leo Varadkar yesterday sort of indicating July that pubs indoor, we might have indoor and outdoor dining. But even if we have indoor and outdoor dining like we had last year, you would say that does not necessarily mean that all your industry will be back at work.
8: No, uh, we have no dates whatsoever. There's no roadmap. There's no reopening on the horizon. Uh, And and like, you know, if we learn anything from last year, we learned that there was no provision uh, for entertainment within any of the guidelines. In fact, you know, when the reopening of the pubs happened for that brief time in September, uh, that it was included in guidelines that, you know, loud music would not be encouraged uh, or anything like that where, where where someone might be encouraged to speak louder or or something, so there has just been no provision and there' they're not even you know unfortunately uh you know musicians and entertainers and and our voice are uh, the voice of the workers uh because you know, the people who provide the entertainment at the end of the day the people who provide the primary product we're being excluded from particular working groups uh upon, that are there to, re, to advise on the reopening,
3: the safe reopening of the industry. Okay, which is a real, real shame. All right, Matt, listen, yeah. hang in there. Uh, hard to believe the 400 days uh, since the yeah. music died. Uh, listen, we look forward to having you all back for sure. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. But, thank you so much good good morning to you bye 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 bye. Bye bye. bye. that is uh, Matt McGranahan who is with the Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland and I do my heart really does uh, go out to that industry because they really do feel like they're the forgotten ones in uh, society they've really been left behind and they will be they were the first to close and they certainly will be the last before they're fully back up and running John Paul taking your calls 1850
0: 333 103 Court today on C103
1: with John on Cusack Insurance is Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G
3: Earlier in the week, Anne from Middleton contacted the programme to share the heartbreaking story of losing her mother. It's actually a year ago this coming weekend and we were in the middle of the first lockdown and she spoke with great sadness about her mother's funeral during these COVID times. One listener who had been listening to Anne speak suggested that Anne Read a poem from a collection of poetry by a local author, Kevin McCormick. Well, Kevin from Kilworth kindly sent me on a copy of his book of poetry that we spoke about earlier in the week called Verses, Verses, Verses. And it contains the poem that was recommended for Anne called Today We Mourned You Differently. We couldn't let the opportunity pass without inviting Kevin McCormick to join <coughs> us on the programme. Good morning to you, Kevin.
9: Good morning, Patricia, how and, are you? Oh,
5: I'm
3: very well, and thank you for for sending on a copy of your book of poetry, which I spent time reading during the week, and you have a great, great gift and a wonderful talent for writing poetry. It's such a delightful book. It's, it really, really is. Uh, well done to you on that. Can I take you back? When did you take up writing poetry?
9: OK, so I suppose... Um, I started writing poetry, um, really just sort of as a pastime. I've always had an interest in words and language and poetry and song lyrics and such. Um, and I started, I suppose, I started writing poetry maybe about ten years ago or more. Um, and I suppose, I, I you know, I, I'm like, I'm like a lot of people, Patricia who maybe has a notebook full of stuff that they've written or a folder on their laptop full of stuff that they'd written and, you know, just keep adding to it and doing nothing with it. So when the lockdown came about, um, I kind of, I was inspired, I suppose, to put pen to paper and just reflect on the whole episode, you know, just kind of what it means, what I've learned from it, um, you know, what we maybe all should be striving to learn from it, what will we take away from all of this and, I suppose in the mix then as well there was you know just observations and you know uh you know uh, I suppose you know listening to people and their experiences of the lockdown and it prompted me to to write some more and to revisit some of the earlier stuff um to finish some pieces that I had started um and I ended up then a few weeks back publishing a book
3: And that's a big leap, isn't it, to say I'm going to put it out there and see. Because when you sit and write something, at the time you're writing it for yourself and something that's, you know, personal to you at that moment. But was that a big decision to say, let's put it out there and see what others will think of it?
9: Well, do you know, I suppose what I'd say is that I didn't really put it out there to see what other people thought of it. Do you know what I mean? Um... I'm a firm believer that, you know, all of this, this this, this life, this, and and I, I, you know, I'm not a fan of the term journey, but let's use it for the purpose of the conversation. This journey, like, it, it's a one-way ticket. It's a one-way thing, you know. There are no do-overs. There's no going back. Um, there's nothing afterwards, you know. So you make the most of, of what you have. So, you know, and I thought to myself, do you know what, Kevin? You have all of this. Um, You wouldn't be the first person in the world to publish a poetry book. I think that there are somewhere in the region of 10,000 books a day published all over the world. Uh, So I I thought, right, look, do you know what? Even if a couple of hundred people want to read back my book, if if a couple of hundred people want to read my book, then I might get the cost of publishing it (laughs) back. That was kind of pretty much it. Well,
3: I discovered yesterday your poetry on YouTube. They are quite stunning pieces.
9: Thanks very much. I, I, I'll take that. Um. You, well, I suppose, you know what, I kind of I decided that with some of the what I call the lockdown versus the stuff that I wrote kind of in the last 12 months, that I would put some of them into, you know, videos and do the voiceover work myself and set them to a piece of music. And uh, the, the, the reaction to those has been just phenomenal, especially the very first one, uh, a piece called If This Time. Um, which between YouTube and Facebook and various other social media platforms, I think it's been viewed somewhere up and around a, a quarter of a million times yeah. at this stage. Which was just, which absolutely flabbergasted me. And I've had, you know, I've I've been I've I've been connected to people all over the world then who want to use the various bits and pieces that I have put up on Facebook. Um, I, I've been just so honoured, uh, you know, to get requests from the likes of the Irish Hospice Foundation, the Cancer Society, the various suicide charities, um, Alder Hey Children's Hospital in the UK. Uh, you will probably remember it from that. Uh, that. that documentary on the BBC there over the yeah, years like yeah. you know kind of the inner workings of the hospital and that and they picked one of my pieces and contacted me to know if they could use it for their memorial service last Christmas Wow. Um, and that, that that was a That's piece called th- There is a Light which is also in the book yeah.
3: There, that is special and, and I loved as you say the opening one it's 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 the longest poem in the book as well uh, it, and it's If This Time Has Taught Me Anything. Oh, oh. Yes. For, for you yourself, what, what do you think lockdown and the pandemic? What What do you think it's taught you about you, you, you yourself, and and the world at large?
9: Oh, there's a deep there's <laughs> a a deep question <laughs> a for uh, for boarded. quarter to twelve on a Friday. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know? I suppose. Look uh, what what it what it has taught me um, about myself really is that um, that I suppose resilience is everything. You know, um, appreciation is everything. You know, um, it really it it does come back to what it did for me on a personal level was it stripped everything back massively, you know, uh, and it really it has given me a a far deeper appreciation of the very simple things. I mean, I teach mindfulness and I practice mindfulness anyway. um, But, you know, it kind of really did drive home that 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 whole message of, you know, of Of really, and I think one of the lines that I put into the uh, into the poem was that when you when you pay enough attention to what you 've got, you soon forget about what you think you 're missing you know um so it did it it taught me that um i it, it kind of uh, and you you asked then about the wider world. I suppose, you know, it has thrown up in its own way. It has thrown up a little bit of ugliness as well, like, you know, just in turn. And we see it there now with the uh, with the rollout of the vaccines and, you know, with the airport restrictions. And people are saying, you know, that, you know, that that certain countries are, you know, they're, they're offended by the fact that they can't come through our airports and all of this kind of thing. And there's a little bit of that going on, but I think for the most part that it kind of, it drove home the message really that we are, you know, we are just organisms on a tiny dot in a vast universe. And, you know, it we really need to just get on with, get on with each other. And, you know, appreciate each other and accept ourselves and, and live with a bit of compassion and live with a bit of uh, a bit of self-care and a bit of care for those around us.
3: Well done, well done. And, of course, the reason that you came to our attention was because of your poem, uh, Today We Mourned You Differently, which I know you've agreed mm. to read uh, to us. Uh, and before you do, did you suffer bereavement during lockdown? Do
9: you know, I, I was... Uh, I suppose I was very fortunate really Patricia in that I didn't have a direct bereavement during lockdown okay. and you know we had we had a share of bereavement in in the family uh in the year prior to lockdown you know which was and but we did we weren't denied the that 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 ritual of you know, community getting involved and reaching out and connecting with us and sympathizing with us and supporting us. Um, And that was part of what prompted the verse Today We Mourned You Differently. I was standing with my wife, Jacinta. We were in Formoy and we were part of a, a, a group of people socially distanced, lining a street while the remains of a man went down through the town in a coffin with his family walking behind it. And, you know, all you could do was just raise your hand and you know yeah. give him a nod and whatever but it's just i suppose we're we're quite unique patricia really you know um as as a race just in terms of how we handle death and how we handle grief you know and i i i think that You know, we we often joke about, you know, about how funerals are a bit of a spectator sport in this country. But really, at the end of the day, you know, I suppose, yeah, and what I mean by that, and, you know, I don't mean to offend anyone when I say that. I suppose what I mean to it is that, you know, they're very public affairs, you know, whereas you go to a lot of other cultures and funerals are very private and it's all closed doors and whatever. Uh, And I think it's a huge part of who we are. You know, you might you know you might have people that that you wouldn't have seen for years and years old work colleagues and whatever and yet they'll turn up at a removal they'll turn up at a funeral you know and i think that uh i think that we were kind of you know i think it's an awful it's it's desperately sad that we, that we were denied that In in the last year, you know?
3: Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, Kevin's going to read his his poem today, Uh, We Mourned You Differently. And this is really for anyone who has, like Anne, who heartbreakingly joined us earlier on in the week. This is for anyone who has experienced loss uh, during the last year since we went into uh, lockdown. Today, we mourned you differently. Away you go, Kevin.
9: Thanks, Patricia. Thank you. Today, we mourned you differently. Today, we mourned you differently, not in the way we would have liked to, or felt you deserved. A fettered celebration, not enough to even begin to pay tribute to the life you've lived. Today, we mourned you differently. The pageantry was sparse. We had no singer to sing your songs, and the shoulders of the fine men you reared were bare. They would have gladly, though sadly, taken your weight with pride, and carried you to where you now sleep. Today we mourned you differently, your friends and neighbours lined the street, a noble gesture but poor substitute for the squeeze of a shoulder, an embrace, and the vice grip handshakes full of grief, solidarity and questions. Today we mourned you differently, the bare handful of us, the chosen few stood around you, while broad-backed men from the old days trembled in the distance, and from a parked car... Your brother looked on with pursed lips through the condensation. Today, we mourned you differently. Sad eyes looked up from where big hands were holding little hands that didn't understand, not that the big hands understood much better. Today, we mourned you differently, but this much is true. You are gone, but not without a trace, as you are in every face you leave behind in every imprint of your foot and the path you so diligently wore from the rose bushes to the kitchen door. Today, we mourned you differently.
3: Wow, that is just stunning. Really, really stunning. Uh, uh, Well done. And and I hope it does. And I think it will uh, give comfort to people because as I said to Anne when I was speaking with her during the week, she sadly was not on her own. So many families have had to go through that uh, yeah, it just—it's tough. It—it it really is um, uh, tough. Kevin, will there be another? Will there be another book of poetry out of you?
9: Uh, the short answer to that is yes. I'm—I'm um, I'm gathering already, and I suppose there is. It's—it's it's like you know the, the 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 famous American poet, the wonderful Maya Angelou, famously once said, "You can't run out of creativity. That you know, the more you create, uh, the more." creative you become so i i have found that since the publication of the book um and you know and and the audiobook as well you know since you know with the bit of momentum that's there with that um i just find that you know that I'm writing more and I am again revisiting more of the older stuff the earlier stuff so I will I'll I'll definitely be compiling it and I'll just I'll I'll just have to wait and see and uh, as they say timing is everything so it would be great if uh, the current collection versus 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 if I can get that uh, if I can get that to gain a bit of traction in the meantime um, then I'll certainly look at putting another collection out
3: Okay somebody's saying where can where can we get a copy of Kevin's book
9: okay so kevin's book and thank you very much for asking uh it's available online in it's available from amazon as a paperback and a kindle version it's available from bookdepository.com the audiobook version uh, which there are 58 pieces in the collection um, and the audiobook version i read all 58 of those uh that's available on audible amazon and itunes and the physical copies the only physical copies that i have at the moment uh, they are available at hanley's news Agents in frome Well, done. well
3: done. Uh,
9: <laughs> and 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 i just i scrawled my name on the inside of those as well for any <laughs> like to. there's just <laughs> kind of, listen yeah,
3: yeah. kevin it was it was a real pleasure uh, get me when the book number 2 is out get it into us and we certainly will have you back on the program uh, again but thanks a million I'd love that. thanks a million for sharing your poetry with us uh, today i really appreciate it
9: Thank you, okay. Patricia, and uh, and again, you know. Uh, and uh, can I just very quickly say, uh, you know, how you offer my condolences to Anne in in Middleton there for, for her loss and whatever. And I hope that she found some uh, some comfort in the
7: peace. You know, I'm
3: sure she did. Thank you for that, Kevin. Look after yourself and stay safe. Uh, bye bye. You that too, Patricia. Is, uh, Thank you. God bless. That Take is uh, Kevin McCormick uh, author and poet from uh, Kill. Delighted to say, Anne, I I mistakenly said she was from Middleton. She's from Clondrohid. My apologies, Anne. Was actually listening uh, to the programme at home and she heard Kevin recite the poetry because we particularly, well, we for anybody who'd suffered a bereavement in the last year but particularly for Anne because we were all so heartbroken for Anne when she shared her story with us earlier in the week and uh, she rang in to thank Kevin and say she heard it. She was in tears uh, listening to it but she very much appreciated the poem as well um, and I know it's going to be a tough weekend for Anne because the anniversary is on Sunday, of the passing of her moment last year. So, we're thinking of you, Anne, as well. And thank you for taking the time out to call us. Okay, we need to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way.
0: Cork Today on C103
1: with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group, for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: I want to give some Sam and Sue books away. These are books for young children. I would say probably children certainly under the age of 10 will get the message in this in this book. But they're terrific books uh, to sit and read with smaller children. The Sam and Sue books are published by Health and Safety Publishers which are a local company in Mallow. And they really are delightful book, uh, books because they're a series of books. They're aimed at promoting safety awareness in children and they do it in a very fun and engaging way and we featured them on the programme before there's been the the Sam and Sue learn about cyber safety, there was the one where they call 112 Grandad's Medical Emergency and then there was Sam and Sue learn about flu and other germs and that that was quite relevant even though that was being written and produced before Covid ever started Uh, and then there was, uh, and this is the fourth book in the series that's just out and it's Sam and Sue learn about stranger awareness and it's to promote children's understanding of stranger awareness and what to do if a small child becomes separated from a parent or a caregiver and they're in a public uh, place. And it seems internationally, and I wasn't aware of this, and this does make sense. though. So there's a move away from the use the use of the of the term "stranger danger," and "stranger danger" was the words that we did use a lot with young uh, children. And instead, there's a move towards the concept of stranger awareness. The idea is that because situations can arise where a child will need to seek the assistance of a stranger in order to stay safe, so they're moving away from the strain that all strangers are dangerous, and instead getting into stranger awareness. So the latest book from the Sam and Sue collection introduces the concept of safe strangers and the suggestion from the publishers is that they, the concept is further explored with children scenarios are discussed to assist the children in understanding the situations uh, which it is and when it is it is and is not safe to interact with a stranger then the book offers teachers and, and parents a starting point for more detailed discussions with children about safety and stranger awareness and it's recommended that uh, people personalise the discussion for your child and you use examples obviously that are meaningful for your children in in wherever you live or the age group of the children and anyone who has any of the Sam and Sue collection will know the illustrations are absolutely amazing they literally jump out of the page they are fantastic and the illustrator is a lady by the name I can't pronounce uh, Camilla's surname so I won't even make a stab at it but she is just so so uh, talented and uh, so I was thrilled to see that there is a fourth book in the series. Sam and Sue learn about stranger awareness, and we are going to give away five copies of the book today. Now we're going to do it by text and WhatsApp. And whenever I give these books away, I always preface it by saying I really want them to go to homes that has young children that would benefit from these books. So children as I think under the age of uh, ten, or if you've got grandchildren that visit your house, or grandchildren that you can pass the books uh, on to, because I really don't want to see these books. Uh, Go to waste. So you can text or WhatsApp us now and just put Sam and Sue along with your name and address, please. Send a text or a WhatsApp. We'll leave it open for about 10 minutes and then I'll get John Paul to select our five winners and we'll pop them in the post and we will get them out to you. So, Sam and Sue text or WhatsApp that along with your name and address, uh, please. And uh, the books, by the way, are on sale at com, and they're also available uh, in Philip's Bookshop in Mallow. I don't know if there's other local bookshops as well, but certainly I know Philip's Bookshop uh, sells them, but you can buy them online as well if you're outside the area. samandsue.com Una in Clon was on to say, Patricia, I was in Ring near Clonacilty yesterday evening and guess what? I heard the cuckoo. It made my day. Do you know something, Una? I thought and I don't know for sure if I did, I thought I heard the cuckoo this morning but I'm unsure whether I'm confusing it with another bird or not but it kind of stopped me in my tracks because it's a sound whenever I hear it that brings me back to my childhood and and in the summers of my childhood when I hear the sound of the uh, cuckoo Sun Nile hatch from Birdwatch will be delighted to hear that you saw the cuckoo loud and clear near Ring in Clannacilty yesterday and thank you when we were asking about the vaccinations and somebody was making the point uh, have they halted all of the vaccinations i.e. have they halted all of the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccinations and I said I thought that people particularly those over 70 were still getting the Pfizer and the Moderna jabs and that clinics were certainly been operated by uh, GPs and I've had a number of people on to me to say yes Patricia that's uh, correct there was a number of people got their vaccinations yesterday and I saw uh, Jim one of our listeners says hi Patricia I'm 71 and I'm getting my Pfizer jab today Uh, best of luck uh, to you Jim so certainly doctors GP practices that are doing the over 70s uh, they certainly are continuing to vaccinate with the Pfizer and the Moderna not all of those uh, were cancelled and then somebody was asking about the over 70s Lisa says, what age group are the GPs vaccinating at the moment? Uh, I know two people in their 70s who still haven't been vaccinated, says uh, Lisa. And that's an ongoing bone of contention. Uh, The GPs are still working through their over 70s lists. And again, it's some GP practices have been quicker at getting through everybody in their practice over the age of 70 and it could be that they didn't have a lot of people over the age of 70 but it can also be that some GP practices got more of the vaccines than others. I've never been able to get to the bottom of how that exactly works but I know the GP practice will get a phone call saying a week in advance you are going to get X amount of say for today, Friday, the 16th of April. Last week, GP practices would have got a phone call to say next Friday we are going to send you out 50 vaccines so you can vaccinate 50 people and then that gives the GP practice the week in which to go through their lists and they've been doing it, some have been doing it from the very oldest when they started with the over 85s, from the very oldest patients working back down to their youngest patients in the over 70s category. We heard of other GP practices who when they got their age cohort they then did it by alphabetical order there was various different ways that GP practices uh, did it uh, but the GP can't tell you to come in for your vaccination until they know that they have the vaccination uh, ready for you. And then there was real disappointment with so many practices who would have been expecting their 50 vaccines. And then on the day only 30 arrived, and they didn't get enough. And then they had to take 20 people, they had to ring 20 people and take them off the list. And it's it's been a real sense of frustration for GP practices who are, they and their staff, are just working flat out to try to get as many vaccines as they can into the arms of their patients. So Lisa, they're still at the over 70s. All of the over 70s have not been done yet. I know last week there was a real debacle over that. There was an HSE ad went out saying that all the over 70s had been done and actually I noted that ad got changed because it isn't the case. Some pockets of the country, all of the over 70s have been done but it isn't isn't the case to say that everybody over 70 has been vaccinated. So I don't know who you are, who those the two people you know, if they're relatives of yours are not, but just tell them, have patience their GP will get to them eventually Anne says, Patricia, I'm 64 when do I register for COVID your registration date isn't out yet, we only have the dates for 65, 66, 67 the 68 year olds have been registered today the 69 year olds were registering yesterday so the 64 year olds, you will be the first of the next group for sure but we haven't got the dates yet, whenever we get the dates we will bring it to you It'll be in the coming weeks so they're saying that certainly the 60 to 64 year olds will be registering later in April. We're at the 16th of April so it's either going to be next week or the week after. Margaret was listening to the caller who rang in earlier if I can find Jur in Ahada who declared himself a Sinn Féin supporter who was talking about Micheál Martin on the Matt Cooper show or on the Today show with Matt Cooper last night the Tonight Show last night and Jur uh, wasn't happy with Michal Martin's answers in that he didn't give a very definite answer when he was asked about the opening of the country and how Micheál Martin got upset when Matt Cooper started asking about opinion polls and Jur in Ahada as I say Sinn Féin supporter says he reckons on the next election we're going to end up with our first female Taoiseach in this country i.e. Mary Lou and he says give Mary Lou a go if she messes it up she then will just put somebody else in instead Well Margaret disagrees with Jur in Ahada. Margaret said I actually thought Matt Cooper gave the Taoiseach a very rough time on that programme last night Uh, Margaret is not a fan of Mary Lou should actually turn off when I see her come on at the television. Wouldn't like to see her as Tishak. And by the way, says Margaret, I don't have uh, an alliance to any particular political party. And then another listener says, "I'm sick of hearing people over the age of sixty who are giving out about the AstraZeneca and people saying that they won't take the AstraZeneca. I'm fifty nine. I would take it right here and now. I'm desperate to get my vaccine as I want to go and see my only child and my grandchildren." We spoke on behalf of musicians and the entertainment industry who are now coincidentally 400 days today since they went into lockdown. John doesn't have much sympathy for musicians in particular. He says many of them were cleaning up before uh, COVID. I hope they've all saved for a rainy day. It's called businesses. There are plenty of more jobs there. Tell them to move on, says John. That's a very unkind uh, view that you have on behalf of musicians, uh, John. And yes, it is business and yet many of them probably did have money away for from a rainy day. But if their 400 days without work even with whatever savings they had in the bank, I take it they've well gone through all of those uh, savings. Well thank you for your text uh, John even if you're not very kind to musicians and those in the entertainment field uh, today. And Anne, listen this is a different Anne to the Anne from Clondraud that we spoke about when we asked Kevin to come on and read the poem about uh, Today We Mourned You uh, Differently. Uh, Such a touching, touching poem from his book of poetry called Verses, Verses, Verses Anne says I buried my Mom, last May it was such a sad day there was no one there only a handful of relatives we did not see her for the three months before she passed away and to be honest Cezanne I think the loneliness actually killed her in the end oh that's just so sad so many people have had found bereavement so difficult throughout the last year for sure Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Uh, John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103, 103.
0: The C-103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Program. If you
1: or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, see corkcoco.ie.
3: Kildallery Bingo Group are reminding people uh, that books for their home bingo are now on sale locally. They're also available in Mitchellstown. The books cost €5 each and proceeds are going to support Kildallery Community Development and Kildallery GAA. St. Vincent de Paul will hold a collection van in Dunn Stores Car Park in Ballancolic this day week, Friday the 23rd of April from half past seven to half past three. Donations of bagged, clean clothing, shoes, curtains, soft furnishings and toys all will be accepted. Uh, Please note they can't accept furniture, electrical or bulky items. And Cork Cancer Care Centre, they're looking for your support for their virtual fundraising Walk with Warriors. Every day you're asked to walk for 30 minutes in honour of the warriors in your life. And you're encouraged to dress up and make it fun for all the family. For more details on how to donate, you
0: can check out Cork
3: Cancer Care Centre on their social media pages.
0: Cork today on C103.
1: With Sean Cusack Insurances Can Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.
3: Now, as we've been hearing on the news this morning, KBC Bank is considering exiting the Irish market and is in talks. to sell off performing loans to Bank of Ireland. Both banks signed a memorandum of understanding which would see both banks continue negotiations to transfer the loans. KBC's non-performing loans are not included with the bank looking at other options which would mean their exit from the Irish market. Senator Tim Lambert has contacted us because he's concerned about case, uh, KBC being taken over by Bank of Ireland. and Senator
2: Right at home.
0: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
3: sure Tim Lambert joins me. Uh, good morning to you, or good afternoon as this has gone past 12. Good afternoon to you, Tim.
10: Good morning. Oh, good afternoon.
3: Patricia. How you? I'm, I'm, I'm very well. Uh, has this come as a complete shot in the dark, completely out of the blue?
10: It has in many ways. I think, you know, it has been, like, we're looking at the banking sector in Ireland has seen dramatic change in the last 15 years. We had a quite a competitive banking sector for a small open economy. We had, um, like, banks like um, ACC, ICC, Bank of Scotland, Irish Nationwide, and the National Irish Bank have all left the market in the last 15 years. And that's been a real significant blow. We've seen other banks change structure actual work their memorandum of working, we've seen that with Bank of Ireland in the last few months regarding closure of branches, and also seen other things regarding permanent if move to these cashless banks as they're calling them at moment, where there have been no actual individuals behind the bank counter itself. And now we've seen uh, KBC go to talks and sign a um, a memorandum with Bank of Ireland regarding moving their performing loans to that actual Bank of Ireland which I think is a really bad step forward because it actually limits competition totally within the marketplace. We're now left with three real competitive banks. And after that, we have no other way to go to have a kind of uh, financial services for our actual economy itself. And it's really worrying because the majority of these three banks are effectively owned by the state. I think the state have a major shareholder in all three at the moment which would see that our banking system itself is under exceptional pressure to be actually viable going
4: forward.
3: And and less competition, I mean, when you break it down, less competition, Tim, is simply not good for consumers. And I think, judging by when I mentioned it this morning that we're going to be talking about it, I mean, that's the one thing I'm getting text after text after text uh, from people saying, where will be the competition for us, the consumers?
10: And if you look at our interest rates at the moment, um, we did a body of work for this about three weeks ago. Uh, we're actually one of the highest interest rates in Europe at the moment. Uh, we're actually, I think, third highest, I think, behind, I think, one of the two, one, two countries, I think, Romania and Bulgaria. And that's a really significant worrying issue for us going forward as an economy. We are an open economy. We're an exporting economy. We need to have a competitive banking sector that gives competitive rates. To have an, um, a banking sector now at the moment literally going to be squashed into having three only units in it and then to have the ability that they're going to have high interest rates is going to be a huge issue for us and in the next 18 months to two years we will need a really competitive banking sector because we're going to have to reboot our economy the government and the state will go so far we need our banking structures to be strong so we can support this actual change that our economy is going to see. And I really am genuinely worried about whether it's going to be bank charges, whether it's going to be interest rates. Without that competitive edge, we've seen what the banking sector will do. They've done it before. They'll do it again. They'll come and they'll squeeze the customers. And that is a real issue. And that's why I think the regulator, in this case, has to look really carefully about whether he believes this memorandum of understanding between these two banks and the talks they're going to is appropriate for the consumer. Like yeah,
9: here's,
3: here's here's a text saying, Patricia, I'm surprised that the businesses here in Ireland, uh, they are not taking the government to task on the fact that yet another bank is threatening to leave this country. What is this saying to new businesses that are looking to open up here? In Ireland, I feel really strongly on this subject as if we don't have competition with all businesses. It does not give a good-looking future for our young people that are entering into jobs for the first time. We must have a choice. And the listener goes on to cite the example that when Lidl and Aldi came into this country, of, of from a supermarket point of view, how prices went went down when, when, when we got choice. I mean, we need competition. That's the we, in, we in want, all sectors, but particularly in banking,
10: particularly in banking, and particularly where our economy is at the moment, and particularly because it's such an open economy. And if you look at the European market models, like this is going totally against what the European model is. The European model is that you have an open banking sector with competition throughout countries. We don't have that at the moment. And because of that, we've seen now another major change here. And it is really, really worrying where we're going to see this go in the next few months. Like I think this is only the starter process. I think the KPC uh, talks with, with Bank of Ireland. I think that's going to be is probably going to happen unless the regulator steps in. Now, what the regulator needs to be looking at here is: is it good for the consumer? Is it good for the economy? And is it good for the businesses? I don't think it's good for anyone to treat them, and I think it'll have a huge negative impact on, on our economy. Because in many ways, the banks—they're doing what they want to do. Like we've seen it with the closure of, with uh, the Bank of Ireland banks in West Cork, particularly in the last few months. They just announced them and they moved on. Permanent TSB have gone to a cashless system in some of their units, which is basically, in my opinion, a step to closing them in due course. And that is going to have a knock on effect on what services are going to happen on the ground. And while we're having all that, we're still paying one of the highest interest rates in in Europe, Mm -hmm. which is totally unacceptable. So the regulator, which is an independent body, has to step into the, sm- into the and screen,
3: what, But what powers does the regulator? Can the regulator stop yeah. this going ahead?
10: The, the regulator has the power to stop if they believe it's it, it's inappropriate to the economy itself. Uh, we're actually trying to draft something at the moment in the office that actually writes the regulator because we think it's one of the key issues that the regulator has to take on board. Because the regulator has a, a role here to make sure that there is competition in the market and that the actual consumer is going to be protected. I would argue the point both of those things are going to be really questionable when it comes to this issue here.
6: Okay,
3: well, well, I think he, certainly by the cause and the text that we are getting here today, uh, people really, really concerned uh, about this. Okay, listen, Tim, we leave it there. Thank you for that. I and thanks uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. That is uh, Senator Tim Lambert, very concerned about KBC being taken over by Bank of Ireland. As I say, this is one of those breaking uh, news stories that literally only broke just before I think we came on air this morning so we'll, we'll, we'll watch this keenly uh, as it unfolds over the next number of weeks and months. Okay some of you can stop texting us on our Sam and Sue books because we're inundated with entries for it and we'll let uh, John Paul randomly select our five winners and we'll bring you the names in a couple of minutes but some of your calls are coming in. Jonah from I was on reacting to uh, Kevin McCormack the wonderful poet that we had on reading the poem... About uh, today, we mourned you differently, uh, Joan says once it publicly stated that Kevin is brilliant as an actor and as a producer he 's helped out so many in the area very caring he 's so good to people he can do almost anything he 's an all rounder and he deserves success well it 's the first uh, time that I, that Kevin came on my radar this week when the when the book landed and it 's just a gorgeous book of poetry and I'm, I, I have to say hand on heart i 'm not somebody that reads a lot of poetry. But this was just such a delightful book to read. The poems really are uh, gorgeous and he does deserve uh, success for sure. And certainly because he's a spoken word artist as well. And when he read the poem, you could, the way he read it and delivered it as well was uh, excellent. So we do wish Kevin the best of luck with his book, Versus, Versus, Versus. And Teresa in wants to say. A big thank you to the doctors, nurses and all in Balanine Medical Centre. Now I'm assuming this is to do with uh, Theresa going in to get uh, vaccinated this week uh, because she said they looked after everybody so well and the vaccination at the Balanine Medical Centre was so well organised. She said many people went in there feeling very worried, feeling very anxious but she said to see the difference in the people, everybody left so much happier. That very worried and grey look seemed to disappear. She said it was good to see something nice in the middle of all of the negativity so that everybody in Balanine Medical Centre, please please take a bow. Uh, lots of people there. Uh, lots of people who attended this week. Very, very happy with the service that was on offer. Martin in Mitchellstown. This was on to ringing the HSC line number for people who want to register, who don't want to register through the online portal and would prefer to speak to a human being and just you know, you know there's people who are just not good at technology there are also people who don't have good broadband and who feel I would never, never hope of my broadband being strong enough to to be on long enough to be able to do everything that needs to be done when, when you do it online, even though the vast majority of people are negotiating it, navigating it through online and very successfully getting their vaccination, registered for their vaccination. But Martin anyway decided to ring. He said I rang the HSE Live number. I did have to wait, he said, yeah, because we had people complaining that they were waiting too long. They were contacting us earlier. He said it was on for about 10 minutes. Then finally somebody came on and I got registered but says Martin while i was waiting for the 10 minutes i was sitting listening to lovely piano music and then this gorgeous person came on who chatted to me person was extremely nice helped me out and Martin said i did chat with the person and they did say they were extremely busy and that was only day 1 for the 69 year olds i'm imagining there is as busy today with the 68 year olds but the person said yeah huge amount of incoming calls so Martin's advice to anyone who is going down the route of ringing the number rather than going online the 18 Fifty number. It's 1850, 1850 and they're open. The HSC Live were open from 8 in the morning till 8 at night. Uh, every day it's a local number 1850, 1850 He said to people, if you're going to ring that number, please just be patient. And he said the people who are not patient, who are ringing your programme, giving out, they must never have learned to play music because you need a lot of patience when you're learning to play music says Martin. But he just enjoyed listening to the lovely piano music. I don't know Martin if I've come across many people who have been on hold and actually enjoy the music that was been played. But of course, Martin says the HSC music is very low. Very nice piano music. Well done. 1850, 333103. Let me check with John Paul. Do we have our winners? We do. Okay, these are our winners for our Sam and Sue book that we'll get in the post to you next week. Uh, well done to Moraid Davran in Formoy. Martina Harrington is in Tomes in McCroom. Congratulations, Martina. Sheila Curran is in Middleton. Bridget Fitzgerald is in Ladiesbridge and Dee Crowley is in Rathbarry. So a nice spread of winners there. So Moray Davern from Moy, Martina Harrington in McCroom, Sheila Curran in Middleton and Bridget Fitzgerald, Ladiesbridge and Dee Crowley in Rathbarry will be receiving a copy of Sam and Sue Learn About Stranger Awareness. Uh, congratulations and as I say those books are available at samandsue.com and if you're in the Mallow area they're also available at Phillips Bookshop. John Paul, is to take your call at 1850 333 103. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
0: Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's
1: Kinsale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This
0: is the Court Today replay on C103.
3: Apologies, when I was calling out the HSE number that you can register on, you can we know you can register online hsc.ie, or you can call to register. Sorry, I gave you the wrong number. It's eighteen fifty. Twenty four eighteen fifty. I said fifty four uh, by mistake. My apologies. 1850, 24, eighteen fifty twenty four eighteen fifty. And if you are going online, the HSE says it takes less than ten minutes to complete the online registration, and in some cases, it's considerably less. But if you are ringing the eighteen fifty twenty four eighteen fifty, uh, you will. It will take you longer uh, just because of the volume of calls that they are receiving. And Neil says, Patricia, 71 next month. I had my vaccination yesterday at my local GP surgery. It was a very jovial atmosphere. I feel fine, to say, fine today. Just a little bit of tenderness in my arm. Well done to you, Neil. And everyone is saying that. There's just a great atmosphere when people go along to get their vaccination because people are just so thrilled to get it. OK, some suggestions for movies to watch this weekend. Mark Malone our movie reviewer joining us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome. OK, you watched two movies for us. One is the Melissa McCarthy one that I'm actually looking forward to seeing called Thunder Force. And the second one is a movie called Palm Springs. We're going to start with a quick trailer from Thunder Force.
0: Hi, I'm here to see Emily Stanton. give you have an appointment? I'm her best friend. We're not currently, what I would say,
6: best friends or friends. You look good. You You look great. What have you been up to? Let me show you. I've been developing a genetic platform that will allow us to give ordinary people superpowers. But do me a favor, please. Don't touch anything.
1: Oh Dear
6: God, Lydia. Do you have any idea what you've done? You just took our only formula for super strength.
0: Everything about you will become stronger.
6: Oh,
5: I am all-powerful!
0: What's your
6: superpower?
3: Invisibility.
5: That's awesome! Let's see what
6: these
0: powers can really do. Everyone just stay calm and no one's gonna get hurt. Em, stop! <laughs> you cooking them for me! Man. Please don't film this, sir. It's a mistake. Okay, okay. Thunder Force, remember it.
3: Thunder- There's uh, Melissa McCarthy at the end there, at Thunder Force. And I have to say, I'm a big fan of Melissa McCarthy, but I'm a bit nervous about this one and I don't know why. So uh, tell me, what's, what's the general storyline here?
7: Uh, well, you have a right to be nervous, unfortunately. Uh, um, you know, I'm the same as you. And I'm the same as you. I'm a huge Melissa McCarthy fan. Of course I am, and who you know, I mean I know a couple of people who aren't. But uh, you know, because the thing is, is that over the years, you know, you either get the mad and crazy and over the top Melissa McCarthy, or you get the really subdued Melissa McCarthy. You know, because she is a very, very, very good dramatic actress, and she has proven that uh, in the past. And um, the thing about this film is that yes, you you kind of really, really look forward to it because I mean, let's face it, Melissa McCarthy as a superhero, what's to go wrong? Unfortunately, there is a quite a bit to go wrong and it's a terrible, terrible shame and that basically she's wasted both herself and Octavia Spencer. I'm not saying it's terrible. It's not a terrible movie in any way, shape or form. I mean, I did quite enjoy it as I was watching it. It's just not as good as you want it to be and that's the way you feel when watching the film. Every time it switches to her and you want her to say something really, really funny... She says something that's kind of averagely funny and you're kind of a little bit kind of disappointed. So we live in a kind of a world, a kind of a future world where supervillains are, are are kind of commonplace uh, throughout the world. They were initially, um, basically what happened is a kind of a, a disease kind of infects the earth, but it, um, it affects psychopaths in a way that they become these supervillains with, with powers. And so, therefore, Octavia Spencer's uh, family were killed by one of these, as they call it, miscreants. And so, therefore, she decides to um, uh, come up with um, a treatment that will turn people into, um, into superheroes so that they can fight against these miscreants. Now, Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer were um, childhood friends, but over the years uh, they went their separate ways. And so they come together again, as you heard there in the trailer. Melissa uh, goes to where Octavia Spencer, who's now a scientist, works, and she um, inadvertently injects herself with a serum that turns her into an incredibly powerful um, superhero. On the other hand, Octavia Spencer, She uh, her serum makes her invisible. So they decide to to team up as Thunder Force uh, to try and fight against these uh, miscreants. And the thing is, is that, you know, I think part of the problem, first of all, that it's the director and writer here is Ben Falcone, uh, who is married to Melissa McCarthy. Um, if ever you look at a Melissa McCarthy film, there's always a guy with a big mustache. Yeah. yeah. And that's Ben that's Falcone. That's her husband, yeah. And so. And that's her husband, yeah. So they've worked together a lot. I think he directed her in Tammy as well. The thing is, is that we get more Tammy here than we do, for example, the Melissa McCarthy from maybe films like The Heat and Spy, you know, when she's really obnoxious and she's over the top and... and, her, and the thing is, is that she's very, very restrained here. And it's wrong because it's written for those characters. It's written for the mad and crazy kind of Melissa McCarthy. But we don't actually get that. And I have no idea why. And I'm wondering, was is it the director's fault? Because it's the same with Octavia uh, Spencer. She, too, seems rather bored. And she doesn't really give of the kind of performance that you would expect uh, from her. And you want more from her as well. And I think the other problem is that Melissa McCarthy, who is a very, very good ad liver, does do a lot of ad-libbing here. And as I say, unfortunately, uh, when she is given the chance to kind of uh, do a comedic line, it's never really as good as you hope and want it to be. There's also a very, very strange and weird kind of musical kind of dance sequence halfway through the film and it's almost as if by that stage they just thought, look, we'll just throw anything in there now, we just don't care anymore, and so therefore, you know, we'll do anything now for a laugh, and it doesn't make a laugh because it doesn't make any sense, because it's, it's all really rather silly. Uh, one of the best people and one of the most entertaining uh, performances in the film is Melissa Leo, who p- puts in a very understated performance, but because of that, she's really, really quite funny. Uh, Jason Bateman, for example, plays a character called the crab who has crab hands. And, (laughs) you know, we're given a silly kind of explanation. He was bitten by a kind of a radioactive crab at one stage. And it's all... So, yeah, so it's all really rather silly and it doesn't really quite live up to the kind of expectations that you might have had. And I think that's a bit of a shame. You want more. You want it to be funnier. And it isn't, which is a shame because the film looks great. I mean, the production values are great. Some of the action sequences are pretty good. It's just that you want more from the two uh, main characters and especially Melissa McCarthy. I don't know why she's so subdued. I don't know why she put in that kind of performance. And that's a bit of a shame. But, um, yeah, it's not as funny as you want it to be. That doesn't mean to say it isn't entertaining. I mean, I was never bored watching it. I was just thinking the whole time, I wish this was better.
3: Mm, yeah, Alistair says, I watched that movie during during the week. Uh, Melissa was just bland in it.
7: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a very good word to, to describe it. It's very strange and I don't know why. It's, um, and unless you wanted that kind of mix of kind of... Uh, the kind of dramatic actress with the kind of outrageous kind of thing we've seen in the past. And I think that's a that's a bit of a shame.
3: OK, so Mark Thunder Force out of 10? I'll give it six. OK, six out of 10. That's on it's on Netflix, isn't it? Is it next with our premiere? It's um, on Netflix. Prime? Yes. Net-
7: Netflix, OK. It's N- Netflix. Yeah.
3: Netflix. OK, now this is a, a comedy fantasy called Palm Springs.
7: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad to say that this is uh, a little bit more entertaining and a, a little bit kind of funnier as well. I mean, Andy Sandberg stars in this as a man who wakes up in the morning and lives the same day over and over again.
3: Groundhog Day? Familiar? By any chance, Groundhog Day. It's
7: Groundhog Day. It's another Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's Groundhog Day. Um, And there's been so many kind of Groundhog Day kind of um, type movies over the years. They just keep kind of turning them out. I mean, you you think of maybe The Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise, uh, Happy Death Day, for example. And the thing is, is that it's almost become its own kind of genre now. So you know, and the thing is, is that because it's a bit like kind of time travel movies. They all seem to work, even though they all have basically kind of the same idea. And this is, they, they're calling this Groundhog Day meets Bridesmaids. Um, and I think it's a pretty good kind of description, yeah. The thing about it, I mean, The Edge of Tomorrow and Happy Death Day were really, really good movies. And uh, and so is this, even though you're constantly kind of reminding yourself in the film that you're watching another Groundhog ground Day, I don't want to say rip-off, but uh, kind of uh, a movie that's kind of very, very similar to that. Uh, so, and um, Andy, it's Actually, it's kind of a mix more for me, Groundhog Day meets Bridesmaids meets... Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know if you've ever seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine mm. with Andy mm. Sandberg playing the character of Jake Peralta. This is kind of Jake Peralta meets Groundhog Day meets uh, meets Bridemaids because his character is is very, very similar indeed. And the reason why he's, he's living the same day over and over again he went to a wedding. There's a nearby there was an earthquake which opened this kind of portal and he went through the portal and unfortunately because of that now uh, he is living the same day over and over again. Unfortunately on one of the days of the weddings uh, he meets uh, Christian Malotti she follows him into the portal. She now realizes that she too is living the same day over and over again. And as you can imagine, she is not best pleased. So, whereas I suppose Groundhog Day was basically about um, Bill Murray dealing with the fact that he was on his own, basically. Uh, here we have this, these two uh, characters who are attracted to each other, but also hate, kind of at the same time kind of hate each other. Uh, we also learned that J.K. Simmons, uh, he also at some stage has followed. Andy Sandberg, through this portal. And he, of course, obviously is not best pleased and constantly spends his whole time trying to kill Andy Sandberg. And, and, you know, it's... It's, I'm glad to be able to say that it really, really does work. And it really, really did surprise me because I didn't think it was going to work. But it did because there's, there's a kind of a special edge to the writing here. And because of the kind of dynamic between Sandberg and Melotti, where they love and hate each other, love and hate each other. And they've given Melotti a lot of screen time here, which is really good because she's very, very good. And she's got an awful lot of attitude as well. And of course, the fact there's, there's similar scenes, uh, scenes then to Groundhog Day, for example, where obviously they just don't care if they die they know they're going to wake up the next day so they, <laughs> they they walk into like a redneck bar and cause fights and scraps and they kind of go away and then walk back out again because they don't it doesn't make any difference to them because they're okay so it's, there are, there are scenes that are very similar to groundhog day as well uh, whereas i think groundhog day was basically about um, you know whether or not Bill Murray could become a better person yeah, over time. Yeah. Uh, here it's yeah. about whether or not these two people who love and hate each other desperately, in the end, can they love each other and spend time together? Um, and so I'm glad to be able to say yes. It's very similar to Grand Hotel, but this really does work. It's really entertaining. And it's really funny, and a lot of it is down to uh, the main leads who are very, very good.
3: Okay, Ben said I loved this movie. The bar dance was absolutely hilarious. The bar
7: dance. Uh, yeah. They, that, yeah, exactly. As I said, it was a dance sequence in Thunder Force, which didn't really work. But this did, and worked very well, well indeed, and was very funny. And everything about it just—it it just looks great. The film looks great. I believe they made three different endings, oh. and basically, kind of when when they showed it to people, said, "Choose which one you like." And <laughs> uh, and I think at the end they made it kind of deliberately ambiguous to kind of make you think, uh, you know. Uh, make you think about the film. So look from yeah, it, I didn't expect it to be as good. I didn't expect it to to, to work as well as it did, uh, but it did, and I would recommend it. Uh, this is uh, fifteen or sixteen, sir. Sort I of think it's not for kids, whereas I think Thunder Force can be watched by all the family.
3: Okay, and that's it's on Prime
7: Video. That's on Amazon Prime. yeah. Amazon Prime.
3: Okay, and somebody says what 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 was the name of the Melissa McCarthy uh, movie? Thunder Force was the name of the Melissa McCarthy. Okay, Palm Springs, market out of ten. I'll give it 8. 8 out of 10. OK, listen, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and uh, we'll chat you again okay. next Friday you thanks uh, bye bye that is uh, Mark Malone our movie reviewer and that's where we wrap it up for today Nick Richards is with you to ease you through this Friday afternoon and we'll be followed then by Martina O'Donoghue and we'll be back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock my thanks to John Paul McNamara
0: for producing
3: the Monday at 10 I'm Patricia Messenger. look after yourself and stay Quite safe
0: Today on C103
1: with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie.
0: This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy,
3: glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens
0: and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10 percent off your first order site wide.